Likutei Sicha is Chelik Yutes, Volume 19, the fourth Sicha for Parshas Vayelech, which discusses the mitzvah of Hakel. We're going to learn the entire Sicha, with the exception of Chapter 7. So in our Parshas, where the mitzvah of Hakel is discussed, and it says there that once in seven years, which is on the first day of Cholomoy Yitzukis, all Jews, men, women, children, even little babies, have to gather to the base of Mikdash, and the king was supposed to read for them some select portions from Chumash Devarim, from the last Chumash of the Torah. And this was in order for them, as it says, quote, Leman Yishmud, in order for them to hear, or Leman Yilmud, that they should learn, they should be inspired, and be Yorus Hashem, they'll come to fear God. So the Rebbe will explain, go into the Rashi on this mitzvah, a specific Rashi, and bring out, um, also at the end of the Sicha, a deeper, more esoteric lesson from all of this through the words of Rashi. Now, just to be aware, there is a Mishnah in Masecha Saita, specifically on Daf Mem Aleph Amad Aleph, on page 41a, where the Mishnah gives us a description in detail exactly what took place at Hakel, how this mitzvah was performed. Everything from who had to come to the fact that the king uh, read the Torah and that he stood on a special beam on a special platform which was erected for that specific purpose and also even it describes in detail how the Sefer Torah was passed to him and what parts he read, what parts he didn't read. Now just, re- just remind ourselves, we familiarize ourselves with the uh, very important klal, very important rule in Rashi that whatever Rashi quotes, whatever Rashi brings, whether from a Medrash, from a Mishnah, from Gemara, in his Pirush, on the Torah, in his commentary, is obviously for the purpose of Pshutei Shomitkra, to understand the basic, literal understanding of the Pasuk. Because Rashi exclusively is Pshutei Shomitkra. So whenever Rashi brings something, and you see that he chooses some um, uh, details... Uh, over other details, that already in itself is telling. From there, you can draw a conclusion that those details are crucial to Pshutashem Mikra, whereas other details from the very same source where Rashi quotes form perhaps are not. So let's go into the Sikha. In our Parsha, in Periklamadal of chapter 31, verse 11, on the words, Tikra esatoira hazois, quote, You shall read this Torah. So Rashi says the following. First of all, the king would read from the beginning of Eila Hadvarim, which is the first words of Chumash Devarim, Eila Hadvarim, as it is brought down in um, the tractate Saita. And then Rashi continues, He did this on a platform of wood, a beam of wood, which they would make, which they would erect in the Azorah. Now it's clear that Rashi is obviously omitting many details in that Mishnah, in that source, in Masechah Saita. So from this we can understand, because he only brings that which is crucial for Pshut Shemikra. But what's left for us to understand, why are these particular details so crucial to Pshut Shemikra and understanding what the Pasuk is trying to tell us? How are these so crucial? Now, if we start to break down the Rashi into detail, perhaps parts are more obviously understood, some parts. 
You see, what is the heading in Rashi? The heading in Rashi is Tikra Satoira Azois. That quote, you should read this Torah. Those are the words, the Deeper Hamaskal and Rashi. So now if we break it down, we can understand um, why Rashi explains what he's saying. Explained. Because the word Tikra, you shall read, seems to be speaking to Yeshua. It seems to be directed to Yeshua because Moshe Rabbeinu is in the process of talking to his student Yeshua, who is going to be his successor very soon and take over the leadership. And therefore he has to stress, Rashi has to tell us that this is not speaking to Yeshua specifically, but it is speaking to him, telling him what the duties of, quote, a king is. So Rashi has to tell us what the king does. Furthermore, Rashi says, the words are this Torah. It says that you should read. You shall read. So Rashi is already telling us the you is not you as Yehoshua, but you as a king. And then it continues that it's this Torah is not a reference to the entire Torah, which Moshe had just handed over, but rather it is this book of the Torah, this particular book of the Torah. So this is understood. But the question really that remains is... Why does Rashi have to add in this detail that there was a B-Marshall H, that there was a platform erected from wood, from wood? And in fact, if you think about it, there's another very, very important question here that stands out almost immediately. And so obviously, if you look at the sequence, you look at the order in Rashi's Pirush, there seems to me not, it doesn't make any sense. In other words, everything Rashi is quoting here the details that he did choose to quote from Mesechah Saita is obviously quoted from Mesechah Saita. So he should have said the words, Ki the Esau of Mesechah Saita as it is recorded in Mesechah Saita at the end of his pirush. But no, he says first, the king would read from Elah Advarim from Mishnah Torah, from the beginning of this last book of the Torah, as it is quoted as it is written in Mesecha Saita, and then he continues on with another detail of what the same source tells us. Why would he do it this way? In other words, the order seems to be odd. Why did he kind of stick it in here? And another question that could be asked, in even those parts of the, of the Rashi, which we already established that quote, we do understand, why did Rashi have to say that he starts for quote from the words Elahad Varim, these are the words? Why didn't he just say he reads Mishnah Torah, which is the last book of the Torah, the repetition of the Torah, the last book, the book of Deuteronomy? Why does he have to say that he begins from Elahad Varim? Okay, and, and in general, why where does Rashi know that according to Pshuta Shemikra, this is precisely where he reads and what he reads, and that it's talking about a king? How do we know all of this? Says the Rebbe, the answer in all of this is we have to go back several verses. If you go back to the beginning of this chapter, chapter 31, what is the sequence over here? What's happening over here? First, Moshe begins by talking to all the Jews. And he says to them, I am 120 years today and I can no longer lead you. And then he commands them, he directs them what's going to happen, what should happen after his passing. And afterwards, what does it say? He called to Yahushua and he says to him, you should be strong, you should be mighty. You are the one that's going to lead the Jews into Eretz Yisrael. Then it continues and it says, Moshe wrote the entire Torah and he gave it to the leaders, to the Koyanim de Levim. And then 
it says that Moshe commanded them, everyone that is, in um, in regards to the mitzvah of what happens at the end of seven years. And then he said, you shall read it, talking to somebody individually, you shall read this Torah to them at the end of the seven years. So, it's obvious that because of the sequence, and it's all in the same chapter, and it's all in the same flow, that this mitzvah of, quote, at the end of the seven years, you should gather everyone together and read this Torah, is a continuation of Moshe, what Moshe was telling him before, prior to it, and what was occurring prior to it. And therefore, perhaps in Shuta Shemikra, we would have maybe drawn the wrong conclusion, we would have made the mistake to think that maybe what this mitzvah is, it's really an individual mitzvah, a very specific mitzvah that is directed to the person he is talking to, namely Yehoshua, whom he's telling that you're going to be the one to bring him into Eretz Yisrael and to conquer the land. And maybe we would have made the mistake to think that what he's telling him is after seven years, that means at the seventh anniversary of when you enter this land, you have to gather all the Jewish people and read before them what I just gave you. And therefore, Rashi is compelled to explain, no, this is a continuation, but this is a very specific mitzvah, not connected to what he was telling Yeshua just prior to these verses about the entrance of Eretz Yisrael and the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, but rather, says Rashi, quote, the king would read from the beginning of Chumash Devarim, meaning that Rashi is clarifying that number one, this is a command to the king, to not to Yehoshua as Yehoshua who's going to enter Israel, but Yehoshua, to Yehoshua as a king, and therefore this applies to each and every king perpetually for all generations. It's for all generations. Moreover, that he Rashi emphasizes that you start to read from the words that it's not the entire Torah. Why is Rashi compelled to say it in this way? You see, because what is the objective? What was the purpose of it? The Torah itself tells us the purpose of it. That it's in order for them, quote, to listen, to hear, to learn, and to come to fear God. Where do you see an expression of putting the fear of God into them? Actually, in the words, these are the words that Moshe spoke. We know that he spoke a little sternly. He spoke in a way that was supposed to motivate their fear of God. And it was, these were words of rebuke. And therefore, it's so apropos that we start from there, not just saying generally, Mishnah Torah, the whole Mishnah Torah. Now we'll appreciate the whole Mishnah Torah, meaning the whole last book of the Torah. Now we'll appreciate why Rashi now throws in seemingly out of place, the words, Kidi Isov and Masech HaSoyta, he makes a reference as it is written in Masech HaSoyta. You see, because one could ask, we, he would read the whole book of Mishnah Torah? He would read the whole entire book of Sefer Devarim? In order for what? You're saying, Eilah HaDvarim, to emphasize that this is supposed to motivate them, this is supposed to bring them, this is supposed to trigger them to Yerushalayim, to more fear of heaven. Well, if you look in the entire book of Devarim, not everything there is of that value. Not everything there are words of reproof. Not everything there are words of rebuke. And therefore, not everything are, would stimulate necessarily a Yerushalayim. And therefore, Rashi puts in, without getting to further detail, Kedi Isa the Masecha Saita. That 
his emphasis is that you start from Eilah Hadvarim to bring out, to, to, to meet this objective of bringing fear into people. But as far as all the details of what is read, what is not read, look it up in the Sechaseita, because over there the Mishnah spells out very overtly those parts which are read versus those parts which are not read. And then now we'll appreciate why Rashi is compelled to continue with this detail of that this was a platform of wood that they would erect then. You see, because now that Rashi made made the emphasis, according to Pshut Shemikra, that this is all about stimulating the people, getting them to fear, to listen and to hear it and to fear God, the question is, how would they all hear this? How would they all be able to listen? So many millions of people. And therefore, Rashi is compelled to explain, according to Pshut Shemikra, that there was a bimashal eitz, there was something that, a platform that was perched on high from which now the king would read and therefore it's more probable that the voice, the sound of the king can travel and reach everyone's ears because he's standing taller and higher than them. Now the question still remains, why tell us from what this was made? In other words, just tell us that there was a platform. And if anybody wants more detail, they can refer to Masech Saita. Why does Rashi in Shutei Shemikra feel compelled to tell us that it was made out of wood? The answer is because the child, the Ben Chameshan of the Mikra, who is learning Shutei Shemikra, knows that everything that was present in the Mishkan that he'd learned about, and later in the Beis Hamikdash, had an active purpose. They didn't have things in the Beis Hamikdash that was just there for once in seven year use. It just doesn't make sense. And therefore, Rashi is compelled to explain, oh no, this didn't stand there all the time. This wasn't a permanent uh, structure in the Beis Amikdash that the king only used once in seven years. Rather, this is a bima shall eight, something made out of wood. And the child knows that if it's made out of wood, it could not have been a permanent structure in the Beis Amikdash because we know that you're not going to make any structures of wood in the Beis Amikdash. And therefore, the child now has clarity that how it was possible for everybody to hear the king's uh, reading of this of this uh, Mishnah Torah of this last Chumash of the of the Torah, and that this was not done on a permanent platform, but rather on a platform that was erected for this purpose. Now, Miyena Shel Torah, we know that the Rebbe always said is the, the quote, the wine, the secrets of Torah in Rashi. Even though Rashi seems to be compelled. To, com- to explain whatever he explains in accordance and in line with Pshutu Mikra, but there's always the deeper esoteric lessons that one can bring out. There's a deeper message that's there. So the Rebbe explains that although in our days, practically speaking, in reality, we cannot perform this mitzvah of Hakil, so long that we don't yet have the Beis Hamidosh rebuilt. However, since the Torah is everlasting and it applies to everyone, in each and every generation. Therefore, this concept of hakel applies to each and every one of us in the following manner. Here are the lessons. Each, each person has to do hakel. Hakel means to gather. Gather all his koiches anefesh, his thought, his speech, his action. Bring him all together into his inner Beis Amikdash. Bring him all together into his inner holy spot. Each person has a Beis Amikdash in themselves. Then he needs to have, quote, the king has to read. What is this idea that the king has to read, that the king dictates? That's the idea of Kabbalah's oil, Malchus Shamayim. 
literally translated accepting the yoke of heaven. Total subservience to the king, that the king is the one that calls the shot, so to speak, that you have a total and absolute subservience to him. And then this brings to the Yoruis Hashem, that you will listen, it will permeate your, your, your existence, your reality, and you'll come to truly fear God. You see, why is it, why is it only this way? So the Rebbe explains, when one comes to the fear of God, one approaches it on their own, so to speak, on their own understanding, on their own appreciation, that is actually dangerous because that can it would lead to the person not having a full, comprehensive, uh, and absolute Yerushim, fear of heaven. Why? Because it's coming from the person's own understanding, from the person's own mitzias. In order for this to be effective, in other words, how does one actually come to this? That one should, should truly and genuinely have this bitul to Hashem, the Kabbalah and therefore come to true Yerushalayim, how does one uh, um, effectively accomplish this? This is where you need to have the bima shall eats. What is a bima? Bima is something that stands high, that stands tall. You have to lift yourself up. In a certain sense, it's almost like put yourself in a condescending mode. Or in English, practically speaking, this would be perhaps translated into decisiveness, into resoluteness, into tenacity, that you have to, it's not easy, it's not something that comes easy, oh, you just listen to a few words, you just have a little Kabbalah soil and it comes about. You have to erect a bimo, you have to put yourself on higher, you have to force yourself, you have to push it, you have to make it happen. But at the same time, Rashi adds, it has to be made out of, quote, eights from wood, and it has to be only in the Azara, only when you're in this inner chamber of the Beis Amitosh. Meaning, this idea of lifting yourself up, of having, a, so to speak, a mode of condensation, and that, that should lead to tenacity and resoluteness, this is only good when you're, quote, inside the Beis Amitosh, when you're actively involved in your Avoida of reaching this point. However, outside of the Azara, and therefore it has to be of wood, it has to be temporary, only there is where it really serves a positive purpose. But outside of it, that condensation, condescendingness, sorry, could lead to a person to actually become a very negative being, and it can have the opposite undesired effect of a person becoming arrogant and so on. So you can only use it in that manner.